But I'm going to tell you this, we ain't done yet. Howdy and welcome back to the Ineligible Podcast. I am Will Stone and he is Chase. Caldwell. Chase, how you doing? I'm doing well. Peace, love, and blessings to you and your family. Thank you uh, for that. Uh, thank you for that intro. That was very dramatic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't expect that at all. <laughs> threw me all the way off. I am doing great though. Doing Good. very, very. I'm very excited to be back in the studio today. Love to hear that and get a new podcast off. We have over a thousand. We're almost, I think we're over eleven hundred now. I think so. Over a thousand downloads on this podcast. Well, um, I, I just and I, I never thought we would have hit that so soon. Um, I'm super excited about it. Thank you all who are listening, and um, whether you listen because you liked it or you listen to make fun of me, either way, I'm so glad that you listened because I would not have expected that kind of turnout. Um, if you're following us already, thank you for following us. Uh, thank you for all the shares and the comments and the questions that you've been sending in. Uh, it's really, really cool. Um, but if you're not, go follow us at Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We've got a YouTube channel, too, if you want to subscribe to that. Leave us a five-star rating here and there. Smash that subscribe button. Make sure you turn on alerts. That way you get alerts when we post stuff. You know, all the same stuff that you hear on every single podcast and every single YouTube channel and stuff. We've got one of those now, so I have to say it. You know, it's like, uh, I don't know. How about you, Will? How are you doing? Well, well yeah, uh, everything you just said. And tell a friend while you're at it if you uh, if you like what you're hearing. Um, we've posted this on Thursday, but in case you didn't know, we are now on Spotify. That's that's Bigly. Bigly. Spotify, <laughs> Apple, Google Podcasts, YouTube, uh, any of those, like just pick the one that, that suits you and subscribe to us on there. Uh, leave us a five-star rating if that is a part of that uh, service. I think it's mostly on Apple, but um, subscribe, leave us a rating, leave us a review. Um, on that note, uh, send us some questions. Um, here in the next few weeks, we're doing a listener questions episode, so you can... Post on our Facebooks. Whenever we post the episodes, you can email us. That is ineligiblepod at gmail.com. Uh, or if you're listening to this, you probably know us, so you can just text us uh, and give us your questions. You and we're going to start making a list and uh, get that out in the next few weeks. Um, today get we our are lines. Talking, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, this Thursday, we're talking running backs as we move along our uh, positional preview series. And then next week, next Tuesday, we are starting our uh, conference breakdowns. Uh, we're getting right into the nitty-gritty of the football and um, the team breakdowns and all that sort of thing. So uh, we're, we're pumped. So I um, hope you're excited to go on this journey of ineligibility with us. But today, speaking of ineligibility, we are talking recruiting. Uh, we have labeled this one Recruiting 101 because uh, we talked about this uh, before we started getting, uh, before we started getting recording here, um, I was making the point that your average college football fan is a lot less interested in recruiting than 
the average NFL fan is interested in the draft. And I, I, I understand, like, there's a reason for that. It's because, you know, the draft uh, has a lot of buildup. It's only over, you know, one weekend a year and recruiting is year round and it's not final. Like a kid could commit to you and uh, decommit two weeks later, you know, if it's not signing day. Um, happened to A&M in Texas last week with uh, a couple of players. So um, it's very fluid. Um, I don't, I guess some folks don't want to follow every move of uh, a high schoolers decision-making process. And that's fine. Um, it can, it can be hard on you sometimes, <laughs> so, um, but that's why we're here to uh, give you all the parts that you need to know, but don't want to, uh, you know, follow day in and day out. Yeah. We're, uh, we, we've got a, a, a good little amount here that I think, you know, a, a lot of my talking points that I brought to uh, this episode really kind of came from questions I've heard from people, which is really cool. Um, and just comments in general. I know a lot of people mentioned to me like that they've, they've learned a lot since listening and, and, um, I've already heard a few people tell me that they like the idea of the blue chip ratio and how we were excited about the team because it's, um, you know, more complete. And, um, it, it, it became something that I was like, well, I want to get more into that. Like I want to, I want to, dive a little bit deeper uh, because these people that are saying that I have taught them or we have taught them through talking about this. I know because I've listened to the episodes like three or four times, you know, I'll play them for my dogs whenever they're in the crate all day long. That way, you know, they have something to listen to. They can hear my voice. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, but I know that we haven't really explained a whole lot of it and i feel like this one will be a very informative episode for those who are wanting to learn more about college football especially recruiting um because i think we have a lot of good talking points here that um are really explanatory so um yeah i think you know right at right out of the gate will um we wanted to kind of go over scholarship limits and and all of that um what how would you start that off? Like, tell tell us about the the history, I guess, of yeah. scholarship limits, where they came from. I guess let's uh, lay the groundwork here and give people a good backdrop of how we got here. I guess kind of like we did in our our playoff segment. This will be a lot shorter sure. than uh, that explanation was, but yeah, uh, back in the day of the wild wild west, you could sign however many players you wanted to. <laughs> you could, yeah. uh, I think, Nebraska used to sign every kid in the state of Nebraska to a scholarship just so they had, so they had depth. Um, but the NCAA didn't like that. And they thought, you know, teams like Nebraska and, you know, Alabama and Texas or whoever else, uh, had an unfair advantage with, you know, being able to offer uh, that level of scholarship. So, um, over the years, I think in the mid seventies, they implemented a reduction uh, and then like it, it got reduced a few years later. And then I think, Finally, in the 90s, I believe, it got down to 85, uh, and it stuck there for a while, and I think that's a, that's a good, fair number. Um, I think it, uh, it, it irks me when people want to try to achieve parity by uh, reducing scholarships even further. Uh, all that does yep. is just take an education and, or an opportunity away from 
a thousand kids who would have gotten scholarships. Right. Um, and, and Alabama is still going to get the best player. So, uh, re- reducing scholarships is not a good way to, um, achieve parity. And I think 85 is good. And, uh, I don't, I don't see that changing anytime soon. Yeah. And, um, I, I, 85 is okay. I'm, I'm fine with it. I kind of, a lot of times would lean more 90, maybe 95. I don't have like really good talking points as to why I feel that <laughs> way. Um, but probably the number one thing I would say about it is exactly what you said. You know, you're taking scholarships away from kids that could have otherwise gotten a scholarship. Um, that is by far and large, my least favorite thing about following college football recruiting is when you see a high school kid fall in love with your school, especially when they're from somewhere else. Um, I'm not going to mention this kid, but I know you know who I'm talking about. There was a kid in this past cycle, maybe the one before, Mm -hmm. that was from a different state and kind of came out of nowhere, it seemed like. came to campus, committed to us. He was a really good athlete and he was really solid to us, tweeted about AM all the time, and then all of a sudden one one day decommitted. And you had to wonder, is it because of scholarship limits? Maybe we didn't have enough room. And here's this kid that might have just been on the fringe. He might have been the eighty sixth player, right? That would have loved your school. And he can't go because the NCAA says that he can't. Um, that, that kind of stinks. That's the ugly side of recruiting. I don't want to start with the ugly side of recruiting. Yeah. Uh, Just because it's just, you know, at the end of the day, how many kids really want to go to A&M that never even get into A&M in the first place, much less get a full ride scholarship to play football. So like, you don't feel that bad necessarily because there's plenty of kids that might love the school but never even get to go mm-hmm. um so so you kind of have to look at it like that too but uh they also implemented the the 25 initial counters per class limit uh, and that's what i want to kind of go over um so basically there's two there's two metrics whenever you're trying to determine how many scholarships or how many players that you have on scholarship on the team. Um, the first one's the 85. That's what he said. What that means, there's 85 scholarships that you're allowed to have for your team. So you can have, I think, uh, well, it's 105 going into camp, right? And 105 players on the team, which means that you have 20 players that are not on scholarship. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think, I, I don't know what it is after that, but, um, but basically... You know, you have your walk-on players. That's what they're called. They're players that are paying their own way through school and still having to do everything that these scholarship players are doing. Um, a lot of those end up being scout team players, but some of them, uh, take uh, Gilly, they go from being a, a walk-on player that are paying their own way through school to suddenly being offered a scholarship, and then now they're on one of these 85 scholarships. So, And those if, videos if are always so emotional. Aren't they? It, they are. And and I know that people love seeing that. And they're like, oh, that's so cool. But 
if you really understood this, and I feel like if you like after this, my goal is for people to understand how tight these numbers really are Mm -hmm. because it's a big, big deal, not just because you're getting your school paid for, but because your coach thinks you're so good that they would rather give you a scholarship than to save it for some other grass is greener on the other side recruit out there. That's a big deal. And and it's, and it's one that um, it's very meaningful because just the team itself is is offering you that scholarship you're you're then getting an opportunity that you've never gotten before um so those are very emotional um videos and they're ones that i want people to understand why yeah Um, so that's the 85 that's over the whole team so then let's talk about the the 25 uh do you want to mention that and kind of how that came about yeah so um Back when I first started following uh, recruiting, uh, after after someone's first season at A and M, uh, you know it was it was a great success. Uh, Johnny Menzel won the Heisman. We went eleven and two, won the Cotton Bowl, uh, re- and recruits were very interested in A and M at that time. And I think it had been a lighter class in the year before. So under the rules back then, A and M signed like thirty one players on signing day, and just counted six of them back to the previous class you can't do that anymore <laughs> they they yeah. changed it to where um instead of you know just 25 uh a year or whatever like like and you can like, move the years around now it's they have this thing called initial counters so if you like if a player signs with you in like in the i guess the the recruiting calendar year uh, they go to, towards that 25. So we're, like we're talking about uh, it's pretty much early signing day and signing day. So uh, early signing mm-hmm. day is in, I think, mid-December. And then uh, the traditional signing day, which now should just be called late signing day, and they should call the one in December signing day. But the the one in February is uh, it's February. It's always the second Wednesday in February, I believe. Um, so in that period, anyone that you – send a letter of intent to or some kind of financial agreement to uh that's your 25 um yeah it's a it's a big challenge for coaches uh to address their needs with that amount of players and uh the stuff we're about to get into here in a minute like that 25 includes juco's it includes grad transfers regular transfers uh, basically anyone that becomes a part of your program goes towards that number and that used to not be the case. Like you could get however many transfers you wanted. It didn't count towards any kind of cap or any kind of number. So um, it's definitely more challenging now. And I don't know if it's better for the players. But I, don't, I, I don't feel that it is. But um, I guess I'll let you chime in on that. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's what I, I wanted to uh, – really, that was the biggest thing I wanted to get into was you're getting these players it, – it's a – it's a problem within college football, all the transfers and the the transfer portal in general. Um, but then you get these players that are stuck and they, I know like you can come out of the transfer portal. Um, you can stay with the school that you're in. You don't have to transfer, but you're seeing all these players that, you know, are thinking that, okay, well, if I just go to the school and then if it doesn't work out, I'm just going to transfer, they enter the transfer portal and, 
then they're hit in the face with all these schools that don't really have the room for them. Um, and so it's, I think that has some part to play. And like, I, I think they're, they have that rule there to try to mitigate some of those transfers. But at the same time, I don't know that it really helps. Um, so let, let's just, let me dive into these numbers real quick, Will, and just so that I can show um, the people what I'm talking about. 25 sounds like a pretty good, decent number um, of players coming on. But let's let's extrapolate that out for a second. Let's look at what 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 is 25. How do you comprise a football team from that number? And, and this is just one class, obviously. So in this one class, you're given 25 initial counters. Let's look at it as if we are a coach, okay? How I would put it as like the golden ratio of how you're going to break apart this team I is like you got 12, 12 offensive players and 12 defensive players. You know, 12 is a very strong number. You know, Jesus had 12 disciples. But we we got 12 offensive, 12 defensive, and then we got one special teams. That, that's kind of the, the, the perfect breakdown, I would say. Um, and, and more, maybe not perfect. It's it's more of just your your uh, kind of rule of thumb, conventional wisdom, because you've got your one special teams player that I mentioned. That might not be like you're not going to take a punter or kicker in every class. Yeah. So that might not be one that you use, but you can kind of use that as a flex. So let's look at that, people. You got twelve on each side of the ball. Offensive, defensive, and then you got one flex that might could be one more offensive, one more defensive, or you know special teams. Um, how many people play on a football team? You know who? How many players do you have on the field? Well, you have eleven, right? Aggies, you should know this because we you have your twelfth man, right? Uh, so. <laughs> so we don't actually play 12. We have 11. And, and so you're more or less getting one group of, of players, you know, one, one, like one starting uh, unit. What's, what's the word? One starting unit. Thank you. One unit with one substitute, you know. So if you're looking at your, your list and you are kind of weak on running backs, maybe you take, an extra running back, or if you're wanting to, you know, include a tight end in that, maybe you include a tight end. Um, so, so you're more or less creating one offensive or defensive unit with your recruiting. And that's if you do it in that perfect breakdown. Um, now, if we got into some other teams that recruit differently, there are some teams that recruit for the number that they talk about on signing day and they're looking to be the number four class or the number three class. Um, and they might have 16 offensive players. Well, that means that they only have nine defensive players, you know, and probably zero special teams. So, sure, they have this great class in terms of the, the numbers and the four and five stars, but they're overstacked on one side of the ball. Um, and so this or is even what we've position. talked about. Exactly. And so um, – so that's all well and good when you're talking about, say, offensive or defensive line, right? If I've got 12 places to allocate 
um, on the offensive side of the ball, I'm probably going to take five, maybe six offensive linemen. Um, but you could get away with four if you were pretty strong at that position. You could probably just take four. I think um, if it if it were me, I think four would be the minimum. And I've seen, I've sure, seen years sure. I've, I've seen years where we take three, and it always worries me. But it, like like you do have the transfer portal to to kind of substitute or. I guess I guess, right. I guess I guess supplement those other classes, but um, it, it scares me with linemen to not have enough <laughs> because yeah, it, it, exactly yeah. And, but what, what the point I was trying to make though is like that's all well and good on offensive line, defensive line, defensive backs, even wide receivers, where you have you're recruiting at least a few players at that position each year, but if you're recruiting quarterback or tight end, or sometimes linebacker, you might only take one in that class because you don't have room for three quarterbacks because you you just don't have the room. You know, if you're taking quarterbacks, you're taking less offensive linemen or, or whatever. You have to take that scholarship from somewhere else. And, and so you run a risk when you're doing that of putting all your eggs in this one basket, you know, like, in two different ways. Number one, this kid commits to you a year before signing day. Now you got to hold on to him for a full year. And if he backs out on you right before signing day, uh oh, now you got to go find you a new quarterback and they're probably all off the market at this point. You know, so that you run that risk, of course. Uh, but then you also run the risk of he comes out and he's a dud. Well, you recruited him at that position, and that's he was the only one in his class, and so um, that that causes issues too. And that's where that's where I was talking about when you hear the number twenty five. You know, that's kind of like the elephant, right? That's the elephant in the room. It's a bit of a big number. Oh, twenty five. You know, you could get plenty of good players. Why aren't we Why aren't we taking you know this player or that player or you know. We already we have a three star running back committed. Why aren't we taking this four and five star? Well, because maybe we don't have room for it, and this is why. You know, when you break those numbers down and you eat that elephant one bite at a time, you realize that you only have a few spots here and there. You don't have twenty five that you could just give to whoever you you really like, and um, it can be problematic at some positions because you see kids that are really in tune with one school that that would probably help your school give it depth but you don't end up taking them because maybe you're full up at that position you know um yeah and so i think one point that i want to make is um even if you like sign the the blue chips and you think you've done a good job evaluating and things like that and you end up in the top five sometimes you just get unlucky like yeah, I talked about that that 2013 class under Sumlin a, a few minutes ago. Uh, they signed 31 players. Um, it was I think it finished at fifth in the in the rankings, uh, like in the national rankings. And I think maybe three people from that class ended up like being contributors. There were uh, yeah troublemakers. We won't get into that. They got kicked off the team or put in jail. Um, they were guys that got injured and were never the same player and. Some guys that were just bad evaluations that mm-hmm. um, the coaches believed in and uh, just didn't pan out. I mean, it just 
sometimes it happens and and it just happened to ha- all happen all three of those things happened in that one class <laughs> and uh, it yeah. turned into a huge bust so um you have to be very diligent in your uh, recruiting and not, and not just your recruiting of the talent but like your recruiting of the character of the kid yeah yeah and and that's that's character's a big big part of it too uh, that we'll we'll definitely get into and part of that's because you have this one guy you know, maybe one or two or three guys at the position, depends on what position he's in. Um, you you want to know that he's committed, like truly committed to you and really isn't going to just jump ship whenever his, his buddy that he plays seven-on-seven seven with doesn't commit as well, you know what I mean? Um, so it, it's – or gets kind of like tired of not being top of the world where he's getting a 1,000 retweets and decides that he wants to do something just for fun, you know. Right. Uh, you you're talking about high school kids. I did stupid stuff like that when I was in high school too, you know. Um and and I could only imagine if I had thousands of followers because I was some elite football recruit, you know. Yeah. Hey, um I think real quick here, uh, if we can there's one more, there's one more point I wanted to make on the the transfer portal before we got too far down the road. Um Yeah. So I think we mentioned on the last episode that they the NCAA recently implemented where uh, any player uh, can transfer one time for free. Like but for free, I mean uh, you don't have to sit out like you used to. Um, you can like used to. You would have to uh, either be a graduate transfer, like you have your your undergraduate degree from whatever school you had been with, and you could go wherever you wanted to. Except for I think in the SEC, uh, they weren't keen on uh, letting people transfer like intra-conference and things like that. I think there was like an additional year that they would make you sit out. But anyway, now it's, it's basically a free for all. And there's this thing called the portal, the transfer portal, which is a very hot topic in the college football world. Uh, So the way the portal works is uh, a kid can choose to put his name in the portal. That that doesn't mean that he's leaving for sure. It It just means that, He's signaling to other coaches that they can contact him uh, and not be hit with like a tampering charge, you know, by the NCAA. Um, but when the recruit or when the player puts their name in that portal, the school is at liberty to pull their scholarship entirely. So uh, if the kid, you know, tested the waters a little bit and tried to come back, uh, he won't always be able to. Like it may be a, a instance where like the coach is like, "Hey, like you wanted to leave, we." found another player and we don't have a spot for you. So we're, we're sorry. Um, and I think a, a, a compounding issue of the 25 initial counter rule is you're about to let kids, you know, move freely for like a one time, uh, a one time freebie. Uh, but you're not going to lessen that 25 cap. Like I feel right. like it's like, like teams won't be able to keep up and, and teams won't be able to bring in those transfers. Like, there's there's already been articles on uh, kids going into the portal and never coming out. Like they just don't play football yeah. again because there's nowhere for them to go. Yeah, that that's exactly um, what what I was going to get to, um, and I'm glad that you you circled back and and did it because I probably would have forgotten, and <laughs> and then I would have been really mad whenever I was listening to the podcast <laughs> later. But but that's that's precisely the. The issue I have with it is, okay, if we're going to do this transfer portal thing and we have this initial counters, like 
don't do the initial counters and the 85. Yeah. Um, and the 85, I didn't really go into, but it's the same concept. Just, just use a, a different measure. It's no longer 25 that you're, you're taking. It's 85. So with that, I would put, you know, the, the good spread, you know, to be somewhere around, uh, 41 offensive players, 41 defensive players, and three special teams players on your team that are on scholarship. Yeah. Now, this isn't counting. This isn't counting walk-ons. Um, a lot of teams will will save those uh, special teams, or, or what I considered three scholarship special team players. Uh, a lot of teams will try to get walk-ons at those positions. Um, and I mean more smaller schools a lot of times, but some of the bigger ones do it too. Oh yeah. Um, but you really, you know, forty-one players at either position. You're only talking about, or at either side of the ball. You're only talking about almost four complete units, um, and and that's that's including the players that you want to sit out, you know, for a year so that they can redshirt. Um, that's including players that are injured. Um, that's that's um, you know it's a that's a that's a hard number. Yeah. In that regard, um, but but um, that being said. You know, you got to have that limit somewhere, and so yeah. I I wouldn't like go like I said. I don't have talking points to explain why I would like for that to be a little bit bigger. Yeah. I would like it to be a little bit bigger, just because. Uh, well, I guess I do. I lied. I'm looking at coaches that are coming in on a first year um, that might have come into a really bad position where players want to transfer out, or maybe they're they're um, you know it guts this whole team because they. We're with this other coach, and this new coach comes in, like uh, Tennessee. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and so you're handcuffing this coach, but he can't dip into that transfer portal and take forty players. You know yeah. that that are all you know to refill that eighty five. He just has to go without. Well, and then, like, on and that's that note, not really fair. Yeah, like on on that note, um, like he wants to be able to compete right away. Like, like his veterans all just left, and then. Is he going to bring in 25 high school kids or is he going to bring in 10 high school kids and 15 transfers? You know, yeah, like, and, and you can't – that's a bad position to put a new coach in, especially in the era of college football where you're only given like two and a half years to win. And if, yeah. if you know, by half of your third year you haven't won the national championship – Especially at the – I just mentioned at, at Tennessee. It's, 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 it's a pressure cooker up there, so oh, – um, the, the Blue Bloods The Blue Bloods have it the worst – yeah. Um, you know, Tennessee, Texas, you, you got uh Florida that's been like that for years. Um, you know, all these all these USC, oh, sh- sh- you know, that's that's a, a a tough spot because you have these teams that are are used to being traditionally good that haven't been in recent years and so they want it back immediately and they don't want to wait for it, but they're not looking at this part of the coin. They're not looking at, hey, I'm, we're hand, you know, the sport of college football is handcuffing this coach to where he can't be successful that quickly like they did in years past because they can't just go get 40 players, you know, or, or 25 players that, that are, you know, at one position or whatever. Like they can't just refill their team where they need it. They have to look at both what do we need today and what do we need three years from now and, I feel I I do feel for those coaches because 
That would be like you. You gotta look over your shoulder all the time, even when you start a, a brand new school, and and there's no, there's no honeymoon period, you know, where you're not worried about your job. I mean, you're worried about your job day right. one. But, all right, real quick, um, let's let's wrap up uh, the basics here, uh, real quickly. Sure. Um, let's let's talk about some some shirts of color. Uh, I think we all know what a well, I think we all know what a red shirt is. Uh, that's a player that comes in that sits out for the year, uh, or now you can you know play in four games and still red shirt, um, and you mm-hmm. don't lose any eligibility for that year. Um, explain to me what a gray shirt is, Chase. Uh, yeah, so gray shirts. Well, I'll I'll do both gray shirts and blue shirts. People that are listening probably have only heard of red shirts. Uh, gray shirt and blue shirt is exclusive to recruiting. Basically what it means, it goes to that 25 number I've been talking about. Um, you have a player that is in one class, and they more or less delay their scholarship until the next. So give you an example. Um, somebody gets hurt, they would gray shirt, which means they aren't on campus and until the following January. And so maybe they were class of 2020, but they count towards the 25 on 2021. Um, blue shirt, it works the same way. They, you know, count towards the next class. But the difference with them is that they're not actively recruited, so they're not taking official visits and stuff. Um, but they start in August. So they come in in the summer, pay their way in the summer, and then whenever all the scholarships um, reset there in August, they're then in that next class and they're able to participate in that season. And so they don't count against the class that they should be in quote unquote, um, which saves you, you take 24 in that class um, and they go to the next one and it opens you up one more spot so that maybe you take 26 actual players, um, but just one of them delays. Um, So if somebody gets injured or whatever, um, but yeah, so that's that's kind of the basics. That's a little bit more advanced, maybe. Um, but you know, if y'all have questions about it, ask, and we can cover that a little bit more in detail later. Um, but will I think ineligiblepod at gmail dot com? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, so, so will I, I think from there? Um, now that they understand the twenty five initial counters, they understand the eighty five scholarship limit. Let's let's talk about what how you translate from that to a championship caliber team. Um, I know you follow the, the blue chip ratio. Uh, y- you know a lot about the blue chip ratio, uh, even even more so than the average bear, I would say. Uh, so tell, <laughs> us, tell us about that, and I know that there's some new stuff out. So, so let's dive into that because that's, that's the most exciting part to me. Yeah, so um, I mentioned the blue chip ratio on our State of the A&M program episode, episode two. Um, but I didn't go too far into the weeds there. Just kind of gave you a brief overview. Um, but in short, it was uh, coined by Bud Elliott, who works for 24-7 Sports. Um, he's a big recruiting guy, and he wanted to make a uh, a simple formula to kind of weed out, like, who's actually going to compete for a national championship. Um, he just released the one for this year, uh, I think last week, so... I have linked to that in the notes of this podcast, so go click on that, go give it a read. Um, but it's excellent at what he does, and the article is very interesting. Um, but I'll, I'll cover some of the quick points uh, right here. So the blue chip ratio is uh, basically you want to 
you want your signing classes in a four-year span to be 50% or higher comprised of blue chip players, which is a four and five star. And those are like, like I feel like we say four and five star a lot. Like the way we get to that, uh, that ranking is by the 24 seven sports composite. Um, so there's three main services that, that rank players that rank high school players. Uh, there's 24 seven, there's rivals and there is ESPN. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to say that one's better than the other, but I do, I do like the guys at twenty four seven the most. I like their uh, their analysis and their kind of way of of ranking players. Um, but anyway, the a few years ago twenty four seven came out with this formula to combine all three services and give a like a, a combined ranking or a composite ranking is what they call it. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you hear us talk about a four or five star, uh, we're going off of that and not off of like say ESPN will have someone as a four star and the other two services won't like it gets confusing. So yeah, uh, we tend to just stick to the the composite. Yeah. You're, you're, uh, I, I agree with you. I think two, four, seven, generally speaking has a better ranking system, but they're not always perfect either. Um, it yeah, might be that the rivals guy in in a specific region is a better, better at, ranking a player than than the 247 guy in that region um and so that's what's good about the composite is it is it takes you know all these three different services and it kind of gives you the the average um to where you can really compare them closer to being one-to-one um it it does have its faults you know whenever there's one service that ranks a really good player really really low but it, it gives us a good perception of what all of the experts are thinking, you know. Yeah. So for this blue chip ratio and what Bud does, um, it's very simplified. Like it, if it just goes off of the players that sign in your like 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 that sign to your school in a four year period. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if they leave. It doesn't matter if they get injured and retire. It, like it just if they if you sign them, they're getting pulled into this formula. Uh, it, they do pull JUCOs because JUCOs actually get ranked. And I think in the future and maybe near future, they'll start doing, uh, they'll start ranking transfers, especially with the portal. Yeah. A lot of uh, big names are going in the portals and transferring. So um, I'm sure he'll add that and, you know, try to uh, make his, his process even better. But uh, f- I think for now, we'll just keep it simple. Um, but this blue chip ratio is uh, in short, it is, it's just a prerequisite for the, the teams that can win a championship. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean all these teams are great. It doesn't mean all these teams that meet this threshold are going to compete. It just means you have to meet this and able to compete. I know I mentioned that mm-hmm. uh, both Kevin Sublin and Charlie Strong uh, met this threshold at points in their careers at a and in Texas, and neither were ever really close to uh, competing for a championship, at least not consistently. So I'll read out uh, the ratio for 2021 um most of this you'll probably or most of these teams i guess you'll probably expect but um, there's a few in here that uh, may throw you off so we'll take it from the top at a record-breaking 84 percent blue chip ratio uh, you have alabama followed by georgia ohio state and clemson after that you have uh at 66 percent these next four teams are all 66 percent actually uh, lsu oklahoma texas and florida uh, coming in at 
a big jump from last year are your fighting Texas Aggies. <laughs> um, after that is Michigan, Auburn, Oregon, Penn State, Notre Dame, Miami, and USC. Chase, was there anyone there that you thought was on there that you, or that's on there that you thought might not be or that you thought would be that's not on there? Um, it, I can't say that one team jumped out over the other, but I haven't, you know, I was just kind of listening, so I, I might have missed one or the other. Was Ole Miss on there? They're not, no. Okay, so there's one that I, I would be a little bit surprised by. Um, the biggest thing that did jump out to me, though, it's not an individualized team. It's more of the conference to conference. Um, you notice that some of the conferences have a few teams on there being like Ohio State and Michigan and then Texas and OU. But then other conferences, almost all their teams are on there. How many do you have a, a number of how many yeah, are in uh, the SEC or however many are so in the, each conference? The SEC has six. Uh, the Big Ten has three. The Big Twelve has two. Pac twelve two. ACC two. And Notre Dame. Yeah. So so there you go. Right there. That's that is the number one thing to me when you're talking about conferences. Um, right. I understand. If you're a fan of Texas, if you're a fan of Ohio State, if you're a fan of Oregon, if you're a fan of these teams um, that are good teams, they're on this list because they're good teams. You you want that recognition, and and by proxy, you therefore say, well, our our conference is really good too. You know, I've heard Big Twelve people tell me that the Big Twelve is the best conference there is, and that's just that's just no, it's not because of this number right here. You have these the, – the SEC from this formula is by far and large the hardest conference to play in, and that's because you have more teams on this list and thereby more teams that are harder to play. Um, that, that have better talent and uh, eventually will have more NFL draft picks. Yeah, well, and, and that's what's – that's what's important. Don't twist my words. I'm not saying if your team is on this list, that means they are a good team. By and large, recruiting-wise, they are a good team. But you don't see some of the teams that you're playing on that list. I'm surprised Ole Miss isn't on that list. But it makes makes sense, you know, if you look at the past couple years, uh, Ole Miss. But, but when you look conference to conference – when almost half of the SEC is on that list and the next close is what, three teams? Did you say three teams in the Big Ten? Three Big Ten, yeah. Three in the Big Ten and, you know, not even close to half of the conference. So Rutgers, yeah, you're not – they're <laughs> not as good as Auburn, you know, on this in this metric. And so this is the biggest key factor whenever we're talking about conference to conference, whenever I'm looking to say SEC is, is the hardest conference to play in. This is why. I'm not saying that because my team plays in the SEC and therefore I want them to feel validated. I'm saying it because these teams are really good teams on paper, you know? And so yeah, doesn't always pan out. You made it. You made the comment, Kevin Sumlin and Charlie strong. Like that doesn't mean that these are the best teams in the country, 
but it means that there's talent that you're playing against uh, that you don't play in some of the other conferences. And so it's not yeah. to, not to you know put down other conferences necessarily. It's just to say like if you want to ever talk to me about which conference is better than the other. You better come equipped to tell me how many teams are in that conference that have a 50% or more blue chip ratio. And just to simplify yeah. it, we talked about the 85, we talked about the 25. You, 43 of your 85 players or more need to be four and five star players to be on this list. 43. That's half of your team. More than half yeah. of your team. I mean, and and in the same, if you're looking just recruiting classes, which this metric isn't just for recruiting classes, but you're saying 13 of your 25 initial counters would be would be that. So um, so let's 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 talk about that because there's I think in this current class we we counted earlier there's 362 total blue chip players. Um, so right. if you're talking how many teams are going to take. 13 of those players you don't have just a tremendous number of teams that would be able to take 13 especially when you got alabama taking 20 um well, actually, i've got something on that note um, do you? He, he he does mention in here uh that the the teams at the top are starting to pull in more and more of a of a share of the top players i think i yeah. mentioned this in our our talk our, our our episode about the playoff that uh there's a lack of parity in the in college football, sure. you know, in general. And just to flesh this out a little bit, in 2014, there was no team above a 75% blue chip ratio. Uh, right now, there's three. There's Alabama at 84, uh, Georgia at 80, and Ohio State at 79. And Alabama, he writes, if they didn't have to take specialists like kickers and punters, They'd be over ninety. Like it's it's absurd what they're doing. Um, and I I don't know. Like I, I, I talked in the playoff episode. I hope that helps. I hope that. Uh, I think another thing is the the places that they're getting kids from, like Texas and Florida. Those schools need to step up. A and M needs to step up and keep some of those guys in state. Mm-hmm. Uh, Florida and Florida State and Miami need to step up and keep those guys in state. You know, if they want to keep uh, Nick Saban and. The Crimson died from just dominating the sport for the foreseeable future. Sure. Hey, Will, real quick, read me off the SEC teams once again. Okay. Uh, Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Florida, Texas, and Auburn. Sorry, Texas A&M and Auburn. <laughs> okay, so so this is where, you know, when we get into the season, you're going to have people arguing about, you know, which team is better and yada, yada. Because, oh, well, they beat who the AP thought was the number four team in the nation or whatever. If if Texas A&M just say beats LSU and Auburn, but we lose to Alabama, we beat two of the three teams that we played on this list versus if Texas or Oklahoma beat one or the other, they beat the one team that they played on this list. So play two more. And then we have a more accurate pairing of the the other, and so that's where you get a lot of people that that get upset. I mean, we were upset, truly upset, that we were left out of the college football playoff because we got beaten by a team that had an eighty eight percent blue chip ratio, but we beat these other teams that that had much higher ratios, and 
and yet, you know, Florida was on there, LSU was on there, Auburn was on there. We beat all three of them, and we lost to the one that has 88%. Well, we beat these other three. It's not out of the realm of possibility that we could have beat some of these others, like maybe Notre Dame, maybe maybe even Ohio State or, or whatever. Um, yeah. But we got left out because of a team like Notre Dame who played and beat Clemson, who – both of them are on this list, but did they play anybody else that's on that list? I don't, I don't know. Um, I'm just the the point remains. You know, it's it's this is more of a metric. This is more of a numbers thing um, to show that there's a lot of power up at the top, and it's not just us saying, "Oh, well, Alabama's really good. Just give us a break because we lost to them." No, they're insanely good. You know, they're they are they're taking 88 percent of their their I mean that's just insane. I, I it's 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 something that needs to be fixed um, in terms of parity. But at the same time, as a college football fan, if we go in and beat Alabama and we're truly the underdog because they have so many more high profile players, that that's even more exciting. So it kind of brings in yeah. excitement to those games, but it makes it to where you're you're. Smaller teams aren't aren't doing as well, and maybe teams in other conferences aren't doing as well on recruiting because yeah. Alabama's coming in and poaching them. And that was one point that I wanted to make, and I think we can get to. Um, I want to hear what what else you have to say about the blue chip ratio, but wanted to talk about the states and how they recruit. You know. Well, yeah, that's actually a, a great segue. Um, you know, like right now, there's kind of uh, four or five, I guess, like power teams. Uh, like like in the sport, um, like even if you know if Arizona State never becomes a power, like I'm okay with that. I'd rather have you know ten or twelve teams that are powers than the same four or five every year. Like yeah, uh, in that in that expanded playoff that we talked about, like Penn State would have made the playoff several times. Um, Florida would have made it. Auburn would have made it. Uh, Michigan would have gotten in there. Um, these teams they recruit well, as you can see, but they. They just don't have enough to sell to these to these high level recruits to really take that next step. Um, like right now, there's a big drop off. There's Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, all at seventy nine percent or above, and then Clemson is the next highest. But mm-hmm. after that, everyone else is just kind of in you know that 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 really I guess like like middle tier, like trying to you know move up to the the best of the best, and you know if if we can shift some of that talent back towards these teams, you know, maybe it, it will, you know, it'll make for a better product. Like maybe sure, Alabama sure. has 70% instead of 84, maybe, you know, yeah. Oregon takes another step. Maybe USC keeps California kids at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe Florida state, who's not even on this list. Like they're, they might make it next year if with, with a good class, but they've really fallen off since Jimbo left. So, um, and there's a ton of talent in that state that has been going elsewhere. So, yeah. Um, well, and, and, that, and Texas, and Texas A&M too. Like, yeah. like there's studs from our state that go to Alabama. Like we need to keep those guys home as much as we can. Well, that, that's the point that I wanted to touch on, right? Because I agree. And I do think that we should keep as many Texas state, Texas kids at home, um, as we can, but we're in a, in a state that is just so talent rich. It's ridiculous. I mean, we're one of very few that are that way. Um, 
But but in the 2022 class, the upcoming class, there are 50 blue chip players in the state of Texas. 50. So that means if if we wanted to keep all of those recruits at Texas A&M and Texas, if we just wanted to keep them all in those two schools and keep them in the state in the two flagship programs in the state, we have to fill our entire 25 <laughs> initial counters on both teams with nothing but Texas players. That's not realistic. Um, so it's not out of the realm. It, it's really we're not in a state where we have to keep every single talent. Um, and that's where, right. you know, you, when, so, so let me just break down a few of these numbers. Texas, we have 50. Florida has 47. Georgia has 34. California this year has 23. Some of that's because of, you know, their, their scheduling and, and they didn't play as many games, that kind of thing. Um, but those are big, big, big time states. Um, every single year. So, you know, Texas and Texas A&M are both fighting for those 50 players, but even if we both took 25 players, we're 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 then taking every every person in Texas. But then let's let's go to some of these other states where we have these powerhouse programs. We got Alabama that has 14 players, Tennessee that has 14 players, Ohio that has 12. Michigan has 10. Louisiana has 18. Um, so these states, if Alabama and Auburn are fighting over 14 players within their own state, if Texas A&M goes in and grabs one of them, that's a big deal because they still have to go in and get – if they get seven, each of them gets seven of their 14, then they still have to go get six more from somewhere else. And so us going in and getting one or two players from Alabama is huge compared to them coming and getting one or two players from, from Texas. The problem is they're coming in and getting 10 players from Texas, you know, and so yeah. we've got to be able to keep some of those players in state or keep them close by because you look at Oklahoma or Arkansas, even Mississippi, Oklahoma has six players. Arkansas has four. Mississippi has eight. You know, so you're talking – very, very small numbers of, of players that if we go in and get, you know, a four or five star player from Arkansas, we, we got 25% of their blue chip players came to us. You know, <laughs> if they come and get one of ours, they got 2% of our blue chip players. That's a big, that's a big dramatic difference, you know? Um, yeah. So I agree. We do need to keep them in state, but at the end of the day, we're not in a state where we have to freak out if if one of our players goes elsewhere. Um, right, and especially and so with the coach we have and and his his propensity to go to go national like and to go anywhere really. Oh, like he'll for go, sure. Uh, up to the the the, the, the uh, DMV up there in the DC, Maryland, and Virginia area, uh, in Pennsylvania, in Florida, in Louisiana. Um, yeah, and, like, and that's like that's the, the that's the thing is. If he if he takes twenty percent of the players in Texas, that's ten players. Ten players from Texas is twenty percent of our blue chip players. He only needs three more to stay above that fifty percent number. And now I know if you yeah. ask him, he's not worried about that fifty percent number. He wants to get even higher than that. Uh, <laughs> but uh, just to put it in perspective for you, you know, it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility for him to get thirteen out of the fifty. 
Um, and, yeah. and then Alabama still come get 13 and 50 as well, you know? Um, but, right. but that's kind of where we're at on, on blue chips. Um, but, but yeah, it, it's a, it is where you're seeing all these players go to schools that are out of state. Um, they're playing for different states. It's kind of, it's kind of a bummer to see sometimes because you see some of these really good Texas kids go and just ball out at Ohio State or Alabama, uh, Clemson. But, at the same time, like you're not always going to keep them here just because you can't. It's, it's mathematically, it's not possible. Um, I've got an uh, interesting note on uh, the top kids in California in 2020. Um, half of the top 10 in California uh, that year left the West Coast. Wow. Uh, the number one player, Bryce Young, went to, went to Alabama. Uh, DJ Uyengalele went to Clemson. Uh, C.J. Stroud, and these these are all quarterbacks. I didn't even realize that. Uh, C.J. Stroud, uh, another quarterback, went to Ohio State, um, and then a running back and a receiver, Kendall Milton and Jermaine Burton, uh, both went to Georgia. Um, the other guys. Uh, what's funny is USC only got one of these uh, one of these players in this this top ten that year. Um, Oregon got one, Utah got one, and then Washington got two. And then, like, like the rest of the of the top fifty in California are pretty split between the Pac twelve teams. Um, but whenever I say Washington, it made me think of this the twenty twenty one class. Uh, there were three national top ten players in in the state of Washington last year. That's very unusual. Mm-hmm. Um, zero of them will play at Washington. They're all going to play at uh, either Ohio State or Alabama. So, wow. um, if you want parity in college football, uh, you should be rooting for these. Uh, teams in other places to start keeping their players uh, in their own states, or at least in their own time zones, you know, yeah, that would probably help. Well, and I, I want to wrap my er, everything that I've talked about up here um, with one little quick snippet using Texas A&M. We, we talked about the 85 rule. We talked about the 25 rule. We talked about the blue chip ratio. Um, we've had coaches in the past that have been at 52% blue chip and that kind of thing. Uh, which means that they're just over 43 or 44 players. Um, but whenever I broke down that 85 number, I was telling you we want 41 offensive players, 41 defensive players, and three special teams players. Well, when we look at the current roster at A&M, we have 41 offensive players, 40 defensive players, and three special teams players. So we're, we're short one. We still have one more scholarship um, that may be going out in August. I don't, I don't really know, but but we're we're right there. And so when we talked about this team being super super balanced, that's part of it right there. Some of these past teams, if you looked at them, we were starting walk on players because it it was more skewed to like fifty offensive players and and you know thirty four defensive players or something something like that. And um, but. This is where the blue chip ratio really comes into play for me is on that offensive number, 24 of our 41 offensive players are blue chips. So that's, that's about 59% of our offense. You know, we're over that 50% threshold on offense. On defense, it's even better. We've got 25 of our 40 players are blue chips, meaning that we're at 62, 63% blue chips. So we're over that threshold all across our team. That hasn't happened before. That's where we're saying this is 
this is a very, very complete team. Because some of the best teams that we've had in, in our history at A&M have been over that 50% threshold, but it came because 60% of our offensive players were, were five stars and 40% of our defensive players were five stars. And so it just netted out to a 50% number. But this right. is across the board. And if you look position to position, it's almost, I, I think it's just about every single position is over 50%. That's where it is really, really, really cool for me. Yeah. And to, to make it even better, uh, I, I said earlier that we are at uh, 61% blue chip ratio as a team. I would expect that to climb uh, quite a bit higher in the coming years. So yeah. um, definitely not going to top out at 61, probably going to surge into the 70s before too long. That's going to wrap it up for Recruiting 101 and Blue Chip Ratio Talk. Uh, like I said, I linked that article uh, in the show notes. So go check it out. Give it a read. Um, very insightful stuff. Um, anything Bud Elliott puts out is worth reading. Um, that'll wrap it up for us. Uh, I, I said earlier to um, send your questions to us, uh, ineligiblepod at gmail.com, uh, or just text us or us up on Facebook or whatever, you know, your preferred method of communication. Yeah. Instagram, <laughs> uh, Twitter, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you're not already follow our accounts, uh, at ineligible pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we're talking running backs on Thursday. So very much looking forward to that. And we'll talk to you then. Bye guys. Thanks, guys. Love y'all.